Welcome to The Wildlife, a program that probes the mysteries of the animal world through interviews with scientists and other wildlife investigators. I'm Laurel Neamey, your host for The Wildlife and author of Animal Investigators, How the World's First Wildlife Forensics Lab is Solving Crimes and Saving Endangered Species, and also the picture book, Orangutan Houdini. Today on The Wildlife, I'll talk with Ty Van Nguyen, founder and executive director for Save Vietnam's Wildlife. Also on the line is Jillian Fuller, who is the communications advisor for Save Vietnam's Wildlife. Save Vietnam's Wildlife was established in 2014, and it's the first Vietnamese non-governmental organization that's dedicated to saving pangolins. There are eight species of pangolins, four in Africa and four in Asia. Vietnam has two kinds, the Sunda and Chinese pangolins. Both are critically endangered. Pangolins are nature's pest controllers. Scientists estimate that a single adult pangolin consumes 200,000 insects a day, or 70 million a year. But they're threatened because people hunt them for their meat and their scales, which are used in traditional medicine. Pangolins are arguably the world's most trafficked mammal, with 100,000 animals captured each year. Yet little is really known about these scaly anteaters. We don't even know how many exist. Ty's work has been some of the first in figuring out prime locations for Sunda pangolins and how to nurse them back to health. Save Vietnam's Wildlife is actively engaged in rehabilitating and releasing pangolins rescued from the illegal trade. It also educates the public and supports law enforcement. In this conversation, you'll hear about the organization's work, you'll learn about the laws in Vietnam that affect pangolins, and we'll also go behind the scenes and hear some of the stories of rehabilitation and release. Now, here's my conversation with Ty and Jillian. I'm just curious what your background is and how you started Save Vietnam's Wildlife. I started working with the pangolins in 2005, so for 11 years, and uh, we know it's pangolins, and also with, together with many other wildlife uh, species, it's uh, facing with uh, many problems from illegal hunting, problem with um, uh, law enforcement, the problem with habitat loss. The problem, the issue of the wildlife in Vietnam is need to be addressed by Vietnamese people. And that's why we set up the, uh, the non-profit organization called Save Vietnam Wildlife. So it's Save Vietnam Wildlife is responsible to like, uh, uh, ensure a secure future for the threatened uh, species. How many pangolins have you received over the center since you started working with them? You said 2005? That's when you personally started working with pangolins. Uh, when I personally started working with pangolins, and that, at that time, we it's an organization is called the Carnival Pangolin Conservation Program. So it's a one program it run by the government. It's the Cookville National Park. Um, so, but it's not have uh, any f- financial support from government, and um, so even with like running as a part of the government, but we go, we want to raise the funding by ourselves to carry the, our work, and um, the so for like two thousand and five is when we start have a project working with the pangolin, and then two thousand and six is the first time we rescue the pangolin, and. Um, I didn't have uh, exactly the number on my hand right now, but um, we rescue is nearly like 300 pangolins in the last um, yeah, 10 years. That's, that's a lot of pangolins. What do you like about pangolins? What makes pangolins so special? Um, well, the main thing is um, uh, with the pangolin is um, the species is very clever. They that queue up into the bowl and they can protect themselves without any predator, like natural predator. So tiger can eat the pangolin, lion can eat the pangolin. So they very shy anymore and not doing anything harmful to people. They don't have a teeth, they can't fight, they don't do anything. So, no, but um, no, uh, it's like more working with them, it's, it's, we see they are very very clever and they have a like personal characteristic and um uh it's like we are the main per- main problem bring for the pangolin and that is like 
something is try to motivate me and also many others start from the say Vietnam wildlife to continue with our mission to save them. Tai, is it true that you grew up um, here seeing, when you grew up you actually saw pangolins in the forest? Yeah, so um, I am local um, person here. I born near the Kufung National Park. And um, so when I was uh, six, seven years old, and um, near my house is having one um, like jack fruit farm in where people still uh, dig the ball with the pangolins there. And one time I saw the pangolin with the baby and that like they dig the ball out and they they cut the mom together with the baby and it made me feel very sad and then that's where i start interest in the conservation um and lucky where after i graduated from the university and i yeah i got selected to start with the pangolin project and uh, in vietnam so it's uh, like the it's the first time in like vietnam but also in region in south asia we start have a project working on rescue reputation of the pangolin from illegal wildlife chests. Do pangolins have personalities? Yeah, they are. Yeah, so different pangolins they have a like yeah, it's a different person uh, personality, and um yeah, they respond to people very differently, and and we can't predict um what they they we do, and um yeah, that is my them with very special and very interesting, yeah. You were telling me that, that some pangolins are very determined, that they can be quite willful, that uh, sometimes they, they'll dig like crazy to try and escape from their enclosures or that, that they have great memories as well sometimes. Yeah, so, um, uh, yeah, it depends. Some of the pangolin is very calm when they come to the our center and um, they'll be able to pick up the with the food and everything is um, and um, stay in the captivity very easy. But some of the animal is feeling stressed and they, their homeland is the wild, it's a forest, it's not in the captivity and they, yeah, they've been trying really hard and running around the enclosure and try to scratch on the wild or on the concrete and um, try to escape. And um, yeah, that yeah, it's it really depend on the each individual, and um, sometimes we can't be able to predict. I might just add that um, that pangolins, when you meet them, are absolutely adorable. Um, they really do have a very sweet kind of shy nature. That's a combination of kind of shy and willful. Um, the closest thing they remind me of is like a beagle in some ways. So shy and shy and determined. Um, and they're just, when you meet one, it's really quite magical. They really are a very, very cute and incredibly special animal. In your culture, are they regarded as unlucky or lucky? Are they revered? Are there myths around pangolins? Yeah, I I don't know exactly the answer, but um, from interview the hunter in Vietnam when I and another student came in two thousand and seven, and a lot of the the local people they uh, says uh, the last time when they saw the pangolin and that is an unlucky thing, and normally they don't want to see the pangolin, but and then um, because. Um, Local people around Vietnam is very poor, and now it's pangolin is very high price in the chest, and they always don't care about the lucky or unlucky from the seeing the pangolin. But because if they see the pangolin, and then they can cut and sell, and they feeling the lucky, they get the money, and then kind of the chain chain of the way people thinking about the pangolin. But um, I think it's that because the pangolin is nocturnal and they also with very, very shy and uh, stay inside the tree hollow or in underground feeding on ant and termite. 
So it's not like even with the wild, a lot of pangolin are present in the wild, but not many of us be able to see. So people very rare to see the pangolin and they may thinking it's like, yeah, it's unlucky time. But um, yeah, I, I, said, yeah, I don't know exactly why people thinking about why they think it's unlucky, but um, yeah, it did have uh, the local people in Vietnam respond about that. What has been your most challenging case? Was there a special pangolin that has come into the center that you developed a relationship with? Um, talking about the challenge of the pangolin conservation uh, for me on, and also for the organization, actually the first time when we start working with the pangolin, because at that time we don't have any information from other organization like how they care, how they look after for the pangolin, how they fit for the pangolin, what the pangolin doing, what kind of angles, what the size of the angles, what the quarantine should be we do with the pangolin. And so we need to design all of the long-term facility for the pangolin, quarantine for the pangolin, even if when we haven't got the chance to meet the pangolin or no other organization working with the pangolin. And the based on information we have about the penguin and we try to predict what's the best for them to be able to do. So yeah, and um so when we first working with the pangolin and we just feeding only natural foods, we collect the arm from the Y and feeding for them and they seem doing very well and um yeah we have a really good success in the first two years and then we're facing with the one of the very cold winter where uh, and they stop uh, breast, they don't have uh, an egg and larvae, but um, so they have a full of the adult ant and pangolin they still feeding but they don't have enough nutrition because the most nutrition is come out from the ant egg and larvae. So um, pangolin is uh, yeah, very stressed and starving and the more they starving is more stressed and try to get out of the angle so and we we fight facing with very very difficult time at that time and um and then we yeah like try to learn it when how can we change and what's the best for them and then we end up with the um, solution and um together with um, uh, buying the frozen ant from uh, the south vietnam we also with adding the sukuam larvae sukuam larvae is um, have a lot of fat in there and be able to help the pangolin very well if we keep them from like sort of uh, like long term years. So, so it's um yeah it's it been really success for us. The second time we fight with difficult of the pangolin actually last year when we end up with over seventy pangolin come to the our center at the same time, and um. All of the pangolin when they first arrive to the rescue center because they they wild anymore and we need to have a natural food to feed for them because they are not except any artificial any the frozen food like um, so when they arise we need to feed the lion and we end up with like over seventy pangolin we need to feed like twenty one kilogram of an each day. For each, all of them. Each day, 21 kilograms for 70 pangolins. Yeah, so normally we uh, fish around 300 grams of food for each animal. And um, yeah, so it's facing a lot of the challenge for us, even with the very short periods. And also with the, because um, the, our, we are the local NGO and we facing with a lot of the problem from the fundraising where the most of the funding come in for international NGO but not really for the local NGO working on the ground. So the, our capacity for the, to work with Penguin is we have only 20 the anchor source. And the, our idea is we be able only handle the 20 S pangolin, but it's maximum is like 56 pangolin when we have maximum two pangolin in each case because they are territory in the wild and we don't want to keep a lot of the pangolin together and we know they will stress. But because it's a lot of the pangolin come to the, our center at the same time and we need to end up with some of the case. We have three false pangolin and um, yeah, so yeah, it's been it's really challenge for us 
but also at, at that time it's all of the pangolins come from illegal wildlife chase and the government officers they don't allow us to delist after we finish the quarantine because they want us to house the pangolin for evidence um, and they want to they only allow us to do with the animal when they close the case and often in Vietnam it takes very long time so um, yeah so we end up with a lot of the animal because they've been keeping together in the um, uh, and that is what they're not doing in not doing uh, in the wild so it's yeah we have uh, so many problems um, facing with uh, we have uh, over capacity of the out center and uh, that brings a lot of the challenge for us um, about the work with the pangolin um, to talk about the special animal in the one case they come to the out center actually the one of the pangolin and we call them that is the ten the number 29 so that um, that female pangolin come to the out center with a snare trap cut around her neck and actually cuts half of her tongue but um, she is still sewing very strong and still try to licking the her tongue is not come out from the mouth but come out from the hole on her neck and yeah, she is like showing us she really want to be survived and she want to get back to the wild and break a lot of the our house. When we knock out the animal want to see the how long is the tongue, the lung the tongue of the pangolin actually is not long enough to uh, move out of the mouth to be able to lick the food and we need to de uh, we decide to euthanize that animal and make us it's really heartbreaking to see, yeah, we need to, yeah, need to euthanize yeah, that individual. When, when was that? Um, that uh, happened in 2009. So we still have a footage of the her is licking the water and the water because uh, she have a snare trap cut around her mouth, uh, her neck, and all of the blood is come out from the water and the water, her drink actually the right color and make us here is always it's really sad to when we look at that back to the the footage wow. are you the only rescue center for pangolins throughout the country or are there other centers yes so um, no, we we are the first center in vietnam working with the pangolin and uh, we know is a lot of the pangolin come from illegal chase Together we try to rescue pangolin. Of course, the pangolin facing many other problems, but um, we try to building the capacity for the other rescue center in Vietnam to to work with the pangolin. Um, we do training for many of them, but um, uh, uh, because the um, the limits of the funding and um, the resource for the facility. They are the government um, rescue center, so only one rescue center in the South Vietnam Ho Chi Minh City where they be able to provide the funding, building the new quarantine for the pangolin and they end up with be able to rescue the pangolin. Um, but, so other rescue center in Vietnam is not have any ability to be able to rescue the pangolin because they require very special case. It's not uh, no more to compare with other species, and also it's very special diet when they require the and um, the, the natural food for them, and it costs a lot of money. Um, it's really sad for us from the uh, end of the last year. The the one another NGO is no longer provide funding support for the rescue center in the South Vietnam. So um, we we haven't got the information about the how they plan and what they um, plan to continue to rescue the pangolin or not. But um, yeah, it's not many uh, places in Vietnam be able to rescue the pangolin. And even with the cost of war right now, it's not many the uh, places be able to rescue the pangolin. Uh, we have a lot of the call, lot of the conversation between the many other zoo and rescue center across the South Asia. 
are there other rescue centers in the world that can handle pangolins? Yeah, so um, I talking with you already about the in um, in um, Africa is um, have another rescue center called Tiki Hewood, and they been working with the pangolin for a very long time, and they working with the wild pangolin from Zimbabwe. So um, they still facing a lot of the problem is when the fact when the pangolin arrives to their rescue center because they don't have uh, the natural food to provide for the pangolin. So often if they try to do the health check and look at the animal and quickly keep animal healthy and they just release straight back to the wild. But uh, when, so uh, with the unhealthy animal and they need to have a single staff bring single pangolin into the forest Walking with the pangolin to wait for the pangolin feeding for two to three hours each day and then bring the pangolin back. So that is often the way how they do. And um, uh, Taipei Zoo and Singapore Zoo, they've been working with pangolin for a long time. They've been creating the artificial diet for the pangolin. But um, um, the new arrival of animal come to the zoo is often not accept the artificial diet and they also need to make the decision after try to release pangolin early as possible. So yeah, and um, uh, I'm sure it's there are some of the rescue centers and some of the small zoo across the South Asia try to handle pangolin for very short years few days and then release them but um, yeah it's not many like place be able to like working with pangolin for success for that long period and that is uh, one of um, the thing is uh, as a part of the IUCN pangolin specialist group we try to expand the knowledge building the capacity for the arrow rescue center not only in Vietnam but also in the, in Asia to be able to working with pangolin more effectively and be able to help them to be survived while in captivity before they are released back to the wild. What condition do the pangolins usually arrive at and how long does it take to get them healthy? Yeah, so um, uh, normally in the quarantine, especially for the general all of the wildlife species with the IUCN guideline we keep the animal in a minimum one month in the quarantines and um, so because uh, there are some of the disease and it may not be able to show up them after two three weeks so that is they often set the status of the wildlife is stay in the quarantine for a minimum one month before we release them back to the wild but because the pangolin is very special, we haven't got so much information about what is dizzy the pangolin carry and what is kind of disease may affect to the wild population. We they may not carry anything or we may haven't got all of that information. So right now it's cause the world we not that much concern and um the our center we still like try to keep the pangolin at a minimum one one month in the quarantine before we release them. Of course, we only release a healthy animal. But um, when animal come to the our center, often they have a snare trap wound or they have a wound from the transport. They also is have a lot of the problem because the the trader is try to forfeit the pangolin. So try to put a lot of the like the liquids and thing inside stomach. They also inject the water and liquids under skin of the pangolin, try to increase the waste before they selling for other people, other person. So yeah, that is uh, one of the problem with a lot of the pangolin face when they come to the our center. It's very weak, and to treat for the wound, it often takes like over like one to two months, and um, uh, but the. Yeah, the normally we keep the animal for one month and healthy animal will be released back to the wild and some of the unhealthy animals still have a wound and we need to keep them for longer or some of the 
sometimes we haven't got the place to the list or because that one or two individual and the list the list side is often very long far away from the out center is um, the closest place the um, safe place to be able to the list penguin now is like 800 kilometers away so it's very far away and sometimes we need to waiting for more pangolin and to be able to release at the same time it saves the cost for us from the transport and also from the, yeah from the cost when we go into the field and all of that kind of thing yeah so yeah so sometimes we keep the pangolin longer um in vietnam we have two different pangolin species the Chinese pangolin right now we don't know exactly why population we don't know even it's where the cousin still have a Chinese pangolin so we try to raise the funding to carry the some of the field work to be able to find the, uh, the stronghold for the Chinese pangolin in Vietnam but right now if the Chinese pangolin come to the our rescue center we still need to hold the Chinese pangolin until we can find the best place to release them you don't have information on the population or where it is or with Chinese pangolin uh, yes but Sanda pangolin we already have information because when we release the pangolin uh, the first aid pangolin is released with radio chucking and try to understand how the pangolin doing even with um, the transmitter still very big and it's not stay for very long time but we be able to chuck pangolin for three months and we know they doing very well in the wild so um, yeah so we have uh, some information from the pangolin and we already have a uh, few team we carry the field work we do the camera trapping doing the um, habitat assessment and we know with uh, some of the place we be able to release the sanda pangolin already but with the chinese pangolin not yet because we haven't got the information and that is the next step of the organization they try to identify where which is the national park with nature research is um, actually the Chinese pangolin current distributes and and we'll be able to work in to improve law enforcement before we be able to release the pangolin because we don't want to release uh, we've been like spend a lot of time and money and also resource to try to rescue the single individual so it's no point for us to release the animal in the unsafe place and then they will be like cut the trace away so it's not much um, value for us to do that so together with rescue pangolin we also working in the field to carry research to do habitat assessment we also working closely with some government like ranger and try to improve the habitat protection and law enforcement so make sure it's working effective of course all of the forest in vietnam is un not 100% safe but we try to select uh, some better than others to be able to release anymore. Do you usually get Sunda pangolins or Chinese pangolins that come into the center? Or uh, we usually getting the Sunda pangolins. Chinese pangolin is getting very rare. So from the study, it shows the Chinese pangolin is more vulnerable to the uh, like some of the hunting methods, for example, the the people looking for the size of the pang, pangolin or the using the hunting dog, the Chinese pangolin is much more easier to looking for the size or looking for the hunting dog because they are um, spend time on the ground digging the burrow, so easy to see. The sanda pangolin is often use a tree and climb on the tree, feeding the ant inside the tree hollow or on top of tree so they so that is they often need yeah harder to find the, the side in the forest and harder to use the dog to follow the scent of the animal when they're walking in the forest so yeah some are chinese pangolin is very very rare now most of the south part of china already eating uh, current we only know Chinese pangolin distribute in the country like Hong Kong and Taiwan and uh, all other countries is uh, we don't know exactly about the white population 
and yeah, the Chinese pangolin is much more rare to compare with sundial. Yeah. Have you gotten some Chinese pangolins come in or no? Yeah, we, um, I don't know exactly. I think for yeah, we have a four Chinese pangolin come to the our center, and we have a two Chinese pangolin with serious uh, wound, and we didn't be able to treat for for them and. Uh, one of them very weak and die very shortly, but uh, another with a very serious wound and will not be able to treat. So we have a two animal dies in the center. But um, right now we have a two Chinese penguin in, uh, in the our center. I wanted to talk about the latest release where you just released um, 16 Sunda penguins. How long did you have them? Was the case... Uh, closed so that you could release release the animals and then and then tell me about the actual release and the process for traveling there and caring for them on the way. Yeah, for the whole process of Zilit, I think it's good to get the Gillian involved because the first time Gillian uh, involved on releasing the penguin, so it's really good to yeah to Gillian can tell her story about the first time she involved in um, releasing the penguin. Well, it was an incredibly exciting event. Um, we had um, sixteen. So walking you through the release, um, basically it starts with loading the pangolins into their transport boxes here at the centre. Um, so we had uh, 16 pangolins. Uh, some of the, the animals were in individual boxes. There was a mother and a child who were um, put together in their transport box. We load the, uh, we have a release team of six from our staff. Um, we were assisted um, once we arrived at the location by uh, um, forestry department rangers and also some volunteers from uh, World Wildlife um, Fund, Fund um, Vietnam. Uh, so we load the pangolins, we feed the pangolins, first of all, live ants, um, just to get them used to back to their natural food because um, while they've been staying with us, um, because we're unable to feed them um, live ants all the time. They've been um, getting used to a diet of frozen um, ant eggs and pulverised silkworms. So just before we release, we feed them some live ants to give them a bit of a treat. We load them into their transport um, boxes. We hire a minibus and the release team and the 16 pangolins all pile into the bus and we travel um, 800 kilometres, which is about 20 hours in the bus, to our release location. We keep our release locations uh, secret because we really don't want people to know, um, you know, particularly hunters, um, that there's just been a release of healthy <laughs> pangolins in a certain location. Um, the chance of recapture then is, is too great. Um, so we travel in the bus all together, the team and the pangolins, uh, it's a long and arduous journey. Uh, the pangolins, um, when first put into the boxes, are um, a little bit cranky about it because <laughs> they've had quite comfortable accommodations here, um, but they settle down um, and uh, we check on them throughout the, throughout, the trip, throughout the trip just to make sure that they're okay. We stop and we feed them and uh, water them. Uh, when we arrive at the location, uh, we give them another feed and so once we're sure that they're all fed and watered, then for me what was the most remarkable thing was watching the uh, release team um, put these huge wooden boxes on their backs um, with the pangolins on it and then we begin our trek um, through some very dense and difficult uh, forest to the release site. So we track we trekked approximately three kilometres in very, very dense, muddy conditions uh, through bamboo. A man leads the way, hacking away the forest with the machete um, till we get to a release site. And then we start releasing the pangolins. We release them one at a time because they are territorial. So we release a male. Uh, then we trek another 300 or 400 metres till we find another appropriate site. We release a female uh, and we do that 
alternatively until we release all the pangolins. Um, then we trek back and have a dinner with the forest rangers and uh, process what has been an extraordinary experience. How do they move out of the boxes? Each pangolin moves out of its box quite differently. So uh, some of the pangolins, we open up the box and they shoot out. They, they cannot wait. They are eager and enthusiastic and out they go and, and really they disappear into the forest before you can almost register what has happened. Others are very slow, tentative, sniff outside, return back into their box, sniff outside uh, and slowly progress out. But generally speaking, it doesn't take more than about three or four minutes for a pangolin to, to move outside of its box and, and go back into the forest. What a good thing you guys are doing. <laughs> It's an amazing uh, experience. Um, it's an amazing experience. One one experience that for me was quite traumatic was um, on the release team that I was on, we released a mother and a baby together. And when we opened the box, the mother and the baby were rolled together in that protective clutch that Ty was talking about before. And the sites are generally not even because it's a very, it's a, a forest. It goes up and down. These are not flat, open locations. Um, so the the mother and the baby rolled out of the box together and um, the baby clutched onto a, um, a tree close by and the mother was quite startled and started disappearing into the bush while... Um, the baby was sort of searching around, looking quite lost. Um, and so um, the mother was running away. Ty was very concerned that the mother and the baby wouldn't be together again. Um, so Ty picked up the child and basically started running towards the bush to try and find the mother. Um, the mother then became further startled. Ty then placed the baby down on the, on the track and they just slowly basically followed them to ensure um, that they were reunited. So Ty disappeared into the forest for about 10 minutes where we're all just wondering, are the mother and the baby united? What's happening? Um, and uh, then Ty returned with um, the message that the mother and baby were reunited uh, uh, on a tree and got some amazing footage of the mother climbing up a tree. So uh, for me, that was the most heart-wrenching moment was wondering whether the mother and baby were going to be reunited um and and they were thank thankfully well i appreciate you letting me into that picture it's <laughs> a real privilege to be part of it i have to say it was a real privilege to be part of it it really was do you know how the pangolins do you had said some of them are radio tagged afterwards? uh on on this uh, on this release uh, we didn't do any radio tracking. As Ty said, we're still working out some logistical problems with, um, with radio tracking. And also, of course, there's always the issue for us as a frontline organisation working in Vietnam, uh, the issue of attracting funds. Um, so on this, um, on this trip, we weren't able to, to radio track. But as Ty was saying before, this is something that we are really... Um, working towards doing it is absolutely the aim of our organisation. What can people do to help? In my opinion, the thing that people can help, can do to help would be, one, if they are financially capable to go to our website, find the donate page and donate. Um, if they have uh, more enthusiasm than money, and, and that's the case for a lot of us, um, they can contact us and um, get some materials from us to help them to become a supporters group and uh, raise funds for us to host events, bake sales, sales, host uh, morning coffees at work. So, um, and if that's not possible, they can join our, um, they can follow our Facebook page and share the message, share the message around that pangolins um, are critically endangered um, species that are in real threat of going. Uh, extinct and uh, so anything that they can do to, to spread the message um, is is greatly appreciated. Before we go I wanted to ask about how you work with the government and also about the laws in Vietnam related to pangolins. 
Yeah, so uh, say Vietnam where like we are not only leading on the rescue animal, but also we leading on the all the other parts of the pangolin conservation work. So the last year we've been success to working with Ministry of Health in Vietnam to successful remove pangolin scale out of the lead recovered by health insurance. So before May of 2015, anyone six in the hospital that use the scale is covered by health insurance, but um, it's no longer uh, happened since uh, May 2015. So that is really big win for all of us. And um, we also is working on the, the new criminal law in Vietnam and make the change. This new law start apply from the 1st of July this year is much stronger and um, it's clear, easy to apply and much stronger. And um, also with um, the case of uh, we end up with a lot of animal waiting to in the rescue center, the law being changed, they actually try when they have an official identifies of the species and quantity from the all of the animal come to the chest uh, from the illegal chest and they allow the rescue center or ranger to make the decision to delist the confiscated animal early not need to wait until the, the case closed so yeah it's a lot of the success for us right now we are working leading on the try to uh, ensure the Vietnamese government support to move pangolin to appendix one of CITES and uh, we are draft the proposal to together with other NGO to uh, for the Vietnamese government to to submit to the scientists to move both pangolin species in Vietnam Chinese pangolin and Sanna pangolin to the appendix one and um, because the growing interest of a lot of the uh, the local people in uh, people in Vietnam and and China want to breed pangolin for commercial purpose, so we also leading on a lot of discussion and try to ensure it's um, the Vietnamese government not support for the breeding pangolin for commercial purpose. So yeah, it's got the, if they end up we try to breed pangolin, it be a lot of the problem because. Uh, pangolin is not easy to breed and end up with a lot of animal die in captivity but also it's uh, really hard for law enforcement when we have a lot of corruption people often use um, permission to sell the wild animal and but uh, they just said the yeah, animal come from the farm so yeah it's really hard to know exactly is that animal come from the farm or from the wild and very difficult to control and also remain the demand or even with increase the demand when we legal the farming pangolin so yeah we end up with um, the problem for remain the markets and we never end up with the trading pangolin so yeah so there are all of the work and we try to do and try to achieve to make sure it's um yeah it's the whole process of the pangolin conservation is improved and working more effective. And one of those new laws is the new penal code, is that right? The penal code, yeah, communal law is a new law and it changed. And um, if they um hunting or trading between uh, from one to seven pangolin, they will get the apply the penalty like $25,000 to uh, $100,000 or in prison between one to five years. So that is very strong. And if the hunting or trading between over seven pangolin to 11 pangolin, and we be in prison between five to 10 years, or if they more than 11 pangolin and they um, in prison for um, between uh, 10 to 15 years. So it is very strong. When does it take effect? Or July 2016, yeah. July, June, yeah. July 2016 takes effect, yeah. and yeah. it's it is already passed, correct? Yeah, already passed by um yeah all the senate um in Vietnam when they uh, the congress when they have a big congress meeting December last year and um, yeah it's passed. 
So that is central law for the everything in Vietnam, all of the communal activities, um, not only the wildlife, but also all the environment, all of the issues, yeah, the communal in Vietnam. Yeah, so that is um, the law, that law will stay very long time. So that was really good and big win for all of us. Of course, not only say Vietnam wildlife get involved, but we also is uh, contribute as a part of the chain. I just wanted to clarify about Ty's experience working with pangolins and how he was working for the government before founding Save Vietnam's Wildlife. He started working at the Carnivore and Pangolin Center, which was a government-run facility, in 2005. Then in 2014, he founded Save Vietnam's Wildlife as a non-for-profit. So it's the Carnivore and Pangolin Rescue, so over the totality of the Carnivore and Pangolin Rescue Centre and Save Vietnam Wildlife, there has been 300 um, pangolins rescued. But since Save Vietnam's Wildlife has uh, been launched, which now manages um, the, the Carnivore and Pangolin Rescue Centre, we've had over 140 so pangolins um, brought in, so rescued 140 confiscated pangolins. So that means that basically in the last year we have rescued, you know, nearly half the amount. We've, we've received 140 pangolins in the previous eight years we've received 160. So that's how quickly things are changing in Vietnam. Eight years, 160. Last two years, 140. Oh, yeah, last a year and uh, last year and um, 18 months 40, or so. 42, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah 142 pangolin we've been rescued last year. And um, yeah, in last eight months, we've been released 75 pangolin back to the wild. Yeah, so things have, um, things have, have, um, have really, have really picked up. You know, partly because of lobbying, partly because of awareness raising, um, you know, but also partly because laws are changing here in Vietnam, but also I think a sort of a testament to um, the absolute dynamism of this organisation. Why did you form it in 2014? What was needed that you needed to form it as a separate organisation? Yeah, um, so because um, we... Um, uh, like even with before we working for government organization like government but um, we not get the financial support from government and it always really hard much harder for us to raise the funding because a lot of funding is one to donate a fund for the non-profit organization so and also with um, working with underground it's uh, it's very much we really must control by Vietnamese government and really hard for us to carry the mission what we want to do. So that's why we, yeah, we change um, the mission. is not only working with rescue reputation of the penguin, we also focus on the, um, the advocacy and also the, uh, the wildlife education and training, building the capacity for students and also for law enforcement officers and working more on the research to understand more about the, what the conservation requirement in the wild. So as a non-profit, basically the ability to raise money is a lot easier and you're able to broaden your mission without government control. I'm, I'm floored by the, by the numbers. Is, is that also because, uh, is there more hunting or more confiscations? Is there more confiscation so law enforcement is more effective? Or is it that there's more hunting and more to confiscate? Why the numbers have increased? I would say, and Ty, you might want to fact check me on this. I would say it's because law enforcement is um, is slowly improving. Um, Hunting is hunting cannot be as prevalent as it once was simply because the populations are declining so rapidly. Uh, so whereas hunting was once widespread, now it's it's a it's more specialist, and um, a hunter has to be much more determined in order to be able to find a pangolin. They are simply not around in the uh, populations that they were twenty years ago. Um, 
So law enforcement is improving and awareness raising, uh, awareness raising that the idea of conservation um, is starting to slowly grow here in Vietnam. Yeah, and um, the one of the big change for law is um, uh, later 2013, earlier 2014, the one of the new law exists and is put pangolin at high protection level. So before 2014, the pangolin is um, the confiscate pangolin is legally be so much by the um, the government officer, and um, so after a lot of the the work together with government, and um, they change the status of pangolin conservation, and they move to the higher protection level. They no long the government officer no longer to be able to sell the confiscate the pangolin. So, yeah, so we end up with more pangolin come to the rescue centre. And what happened previously? The government was able to on-sell confiscated animals that were supposedly deemed not suitable for rehabilitation, but the people who were making those assessments, of course, were not qualified to make those assessments. And, of course, it's a, it's a nice money earner. Uh, to be able to on-sell pangolins because, of course, they um, are sold by the kilo and it makes a lot of money. So um, that kind of on-selling of confiscation um, could no longer occur after 2014. And how did that law change? Yeah, so um, it's uh, one of the new laws. So we, um, together with the... Um, discussed together with all of the NGO in Vietnam, especially the organization working with um, uh, endangered species like Save Vietnam Wildlife also get involved and um, we recommend for them is um, like it's a lot of the pangolin now it's been during the church and the, the wild population is facing um, uh, with the decline very rapidly. Um, we um, yeah and um, they change the law and they move pangolin to the high protection level in the Vietnamese um, wildlife protection law. So before that, this pangolin is not in high protection level. Thank you so much for talking with me. Oh, you're more than welcome. Yeah, you are welcome. Yeah, and um, we really hope it's um, the um, uh, it's uh, your article. We have a lot from from artists um like ray awareness for the pangolin and um and um uh I mentioned before there are not many people know about the pangolin and even it's in Vietnam we have two thirds of people doesn't know what is a pangolin. So it would be really good to make people more people know, more people aware of the pangolin, the problem they face and and take the action to protect them. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Tai Van Nguyen the founder and executive director for Save Vietnam's Wildlife, and Jillian Fuller, the communications advisor for Save Vietnam's Wildlife. If you want to learn more, you can visit their webpage or check out their videos on YouTube. This has been The Wildlife. I'm your host, Laurel Nimi. Thanks for listening. <laughs>